Here is a box, a musical box, wound up and ready to play. Can you guess what is in it today? So welcome to Box 39. Welcome. I am Bill Lawrence. I am. And for the next hour, join me, Adrian Cohen and Ian Tallentire as we release yet another wall of sound from Box 39. Hello, I'm Ian Tallentire. This is the music and magazine radio show that is like no other. 60 minutes of the unexpected, heartwarming and eclectic stories from our communities. Broadcast live from the brand new Vegan Studio 5, here in Cone Radio Towers. Hey Ian, have you had a good week? Yeah, my car got washed and I've got an excuse for 64 beers. Oh, and I listened to Robbie Williams singing Let Us Entertain You. And what about you, Bill? It's been absolutely marvellous. i got a slightly new job at work and uh, i got some new shoelaces too. Excellent. So, it's time to open Box 39. Bill, turn that key and open that box. I've been up all week, not getting any sleep, trying to read the signs. I don't know how much more I can take, how much longer I can wait before I lose my mind. You, for heaven's sake, you take my breath away when you're not even trying. You got me wondering why, oh, what if you were mine? Oh baby, come on and say it now Just let the words come out Tell me you love me It's easy to say what's on your mind Say it a million times Tell me you love me This week, 
the tables have been turned in my attempt to match Ian's prowess uh, in answering questions. And I will attempt to answer questions this time that you take it, Ian, from random from the Cone Radio Random Question Generator. It's a little box there in the corner, the fur-lined one. Now, Ian... I think that I'm I'm in a I've been warming up, been warming up my brain. Uh, I'm, I think I'm in a good position. So, can I have the first question now, please? Have you been wearing a hat then, warming up your brain? Yeah, yes, I have. excellent. Anyway, first question, Bill, is on geography. Oh, okay then. Okay, I'm ready. No, that's no, that's what, fine. It's fine. That's it's fine. what you got. Yours? Do you get a GCSE in that or a CSE? I got my, I got a CSE, grade four. Excellent. I think that class is a GCSE. Anyway, Bill. Um, <laughs> Geography. Okay, okay, I can you know do it. What that I can is. do it. All that, you know. Well, go on, go on, ask me the question. Go on, ask me the question. Which is the most northerly? Northerly. Northerly, that's the top part of the map. Yeah, no, no. Aberdeen okay. or Moscow? Which is the most northerly, Aberdeen or Moscow? Notice, listeners, a current question involving Moscow, where uh, the World Cup is being held. No, hang on, I can do this. Now, I'm um, just remembering what uh, old Dennis Tarrant told us at work North versus South. Uh, two, three, one, two, two and one, one and two, flushing both down the loo. Uh, wouldn't be did spend so much of our time colouring in pictures of Oxbow Lakes, but I, I've got this. Yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure of this one. I'm a winner. Moscow is my answer. Wrong. No. Aberdeen is about really? 57 degrees north. Moscow, only about 55 degrees north. Sorry there, mate. You should have spent oh. less time colouring in your Oxbow Lakes and more time... Look in. I can't believe it. Okay. Well, no, no, I'll get this one right. No, no, no. I'm feeling good. I'm feeling good. So I press on. the button on the, the generator. Is there. Go on, press it. Yeah, okay. Question two. Uh, category. What we got? Category. Famous people. No, I can do that. Yeah. I can do that. A bit of history, maybe? She's not that famous. Oh, right. uh, what was Margaret Thatcher, oh. that's the politician Margaret Thatcher. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Know, from yeah, that yeah, time yeah, when yeah, we yeah. were younger. What is her full maiden name? That, hang on, main name means before they get married, doesn't it? It does. Okay, so... Because I think you know uh, what a middle name was, don't you? Uh, it's on the tip of my tongue. It's, it's, it's Hilda. Hilda, I'm Very pretty good. sure they're... Very good. Now, I know it, I know it, I know it. Margaret Hilda Baker. No. Yeah, it Wrong. is. Politician, former British Prime Minister, oh. Margaret Thatcher, was born as... Margaret Hilda Roberts no. on October the 13th, 1925. You just know everything. And oh, no, come on, look, I'm going to get this one. Come on, get me about a final question. Hit me as hard as possible. I am ready for this. Well, I am up for this. In a modern come exam, come on. 33% is probably a B, so if you get this right, you're doing quite well. It's a <laughs> very on. simple question. Come on. Must accept your first answer. Yeah, well, okay. Is the fox the farmer's friend? Yes or no? Can you just repeat that question? Is the fox the farmer's friend. Now, this may be slightly more complicated than you initially thought, but I need a simple answer. No, 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 I can do this. I can do it. Now, I do know... The can we rabbit have your reasoning, pop- please? Well, the rabbit population is increasing. Now we're post-myxomatosis, aren't we? And I can even spell myxomatosis. I'm sure it's, it's, got a, it's got a K in there somewhere. Now, we're post that. That's uh, so, so that means there's a growing demand for fast-growing pasture, doesn't it, for intensive beef and dairy farming. Lots of people want the grass, and there's lots more... Uh, rabbits eating the grass. And also, you got to remember the, the, the sort of apex predators, you know, like for rabbits, like wolves and, and mankind and anchovies and pygmy gazelles, all those things that were to attack rabbits. They were there. So we... Yes. So I've got my decision. Yes, the fox is the farmer's friend. I'm really sorry, Bill, but the answer is very sadly no. Ah. And the reason for this is that Brent Drill, the landlord of The Farmer, a pub near Galston in Norfolk, has quite categorically told customers at least twice in the last three months that since the Brexit vote, The Fox, that's the name he gives to his local MP, Liam Fox, Secretary of State for International Trade in the present government, and MP for North Somerset, is no longer welcome in his pub. And therefore, quite clearly, and quite obviously, Bill, and you should have known this, The Fox is not... The farmer's friend. Ah, you've outsmarted me yet again once more. I am just bereft. And I can only say one thing, Bill. I am feeling smug. And now it's time for the mind of Bill Lawrence. 
I will get my revenge next time. This is 2004's Black Horse and the Cherry Tree by Scottish singer-songwriter Katie Tunstall. The song's enigmatic lyrics deserve some decoding. The black horse in the song represents Lloyds Bank in Norwich, and the cherry tree represents a traditional private girls' school, the pupils being the cherries in question. At stake is a bank loan for a trip to New York, with K.T. Tunstall's gritty delivery indicating the rejection and pointing to the purchase of a white car instead. It was in this white car that she came across Ipswich Marina, a location that the lyrics characterise as a place in the middle of nowhere. With the highly prized New York plan thwarted by the black horse, the singer went instead to Amsterdam yet again and took her rest from the cherries. These brilliant lyrics tell a story about how, although one may be busy organising the giving of prizes to others, one does not necessarily receive any award oneself. You're not the one for me. Big black horse and a cherry tree. I can't quite get that cause my heart forsaken me yeah, yeah, yeah. Big black house and a cherry tree I can't quite get that cause my heart forsaken me So it was Albert Einstein who said, uh, I've reached an age when if someone tells me to wear socks, I don't have to. He suggests that by the time older adults reach their later years, we feel better able to express themselves rather than being hemmed in by society's perceptions and prescriptions. It was the great US comedian George Burns who commented, by the time you're 80 years old, you've learned everything. You just have to remember it. Here, he observes that one of the challenges to memory that older adults face is the ability to retrieve the information they have already acquired. You can live to be a hundred if you give up all the things that make you want to live to be a hundred. So said Woody Allen as he suggested that we can control our lifespan by avoiding some of the more unhealthy behaviours that can lead to an earlier demise. And it was the poet and author Robert Browning who came up with the inspiring characterisation of old age when he wrote, Grow old along with me. The best is yet to come. 
This idea that it is possible to enjoy your later years in a way that exceeds your expectations reminds us of a friend of Cone Radio, Mr Ron Sargent. Ron has spent nearly 90 years living, working and enjoying life here in North East Essex and recently he came into the Box 39 studio to tell us about life in North East Essex when he was growing up during the war over 70 years ago. Friday on the farm is rabbit pie day. So every Friday that ever comes along, I get up early and sing this little song. My name is Ron. I've lived in Colchester and Essex for the best part of what, 60 years? When I was about four or five years old, was a school at, at Pitsy near South End, and I always remember this when myself and my brother we went to school the same school the infant school when we crossed the road we had to raise our hats we all had little red hats and we had to raise our hats to the school teacher who was gardens across the road I can't see this happening now <laughs> but that's what I have to do but being my father was was a, a farm worker. This didn't. I can't tell you how long we were at this school, but the next school was Southminster, and we were there quite some while. What was that school like, Rob? Well, Southminster School was quite a quite quite a nice school. It was on the main road between uh, Southminster and um, Burnham and Crouch. So we we hadn't got far to go from there. Funny enough. How many children in your class? Can you remember? Was it no, I don't. I can't remember. I should imagine there was about 20, 25, something like that. Yeah. What sort of things did you learn in school? Well, I know I know how to read and write, Bill. That's about all I can say. But other than that, I wouldn't like to pass any comment. <laughs> no. Can you remember any teachers? No, not there. No, no. What was the next school you went to? Uh, as I said, my father worked on the farm and I can't tell you why, but he never used to stay on his farms very long. So the next school, we moved to Kirby Cross, of all places. So my next school, I was in a, in a senior class then, then, so I was about 11 or 12 years old. So we had to catch a bus from Kirby Cross, a school school operated bus from Kirby Cross to Walton on Nays. And the schoolmaster in our class, his name was Watson. We used to call him Wacko Watson. He used to he used to love hitting the girls, the girls in the class with a with a tomato cane underneath the underneath the chair underneath. If they weren't doing anything, he'd, he'd switch his cane underneath the underneath the chair against their legs. But us boys, we used to love being with him because when we went to the science class, we were learning how to make cigarette lighters out of 20 millimeter cannon shells <laughs> and he used to he used to love it we're getting we used to love watching all that but other than that he used to take us out on the on the gardens digging putting getting all the vegetables in ready for because during the war that's what what you had to So you went to school during the war? Yeah. So was there anything you had to remember as a school child because of the war that you had to do? During the war, we all had to have a little box with a gas mask on, regular as clockwork. We always had to have a little box with, over your shoulder with a gas mask in. I had it put on me, but I never did have to wear it, which was a good job. I forgot to tell you this, when we moved from Pitsy, we come to a place called Great Baddo near Chelmsford. And of course, when we moved from Chelmsford to Kirby Cross, you come from a restricted, restricted area. So we all had to have identity cards, and we were stopped. All remember this: we were halfway between Great Bad and Chelmsford to here, and we were stopped by the army as though we were we were foreigners. <laughs> yeah. 
So your mum and dad were living in uh, Kirby Cross with you. What, what was your dad doing there? Cowman looked after all the, all the cows on the farm. Yeah. Did you ever help it? Yes, I did. I used to love it. Especially weekends. I used to go and clean the cow sheds out, get the hay in and fill the mangers up with all the different food. Most of my spare time was messing about on the farm. I used to enjoy it with different animals here and there. So as a family, did you have holidays? No, we never went anywhere on holidays. You couldn't. On the farm, every Friday, on the farm, his rabbit pie day. So every Friday that ever comes along, I get up early and sing this little song. Hoo-ya! I'm wandering around an indoor market here in Indonesia. I'm just squeezing past a lot of ladies here who are buying stuff. Packets of dried bananas, they're very small, uh, sweet again, they look like they've almost been uh, sugared where Indonesians will come. Hello, hello, hello! <laughs> so this lady is offering to sell me little like small potatoes. What are these called? Yeah. What are they called? What's the name? Mali. Mali. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, very nice. It was a shape of a plum, but clear. Oh. I'm okay. Thank, thank you very much. It's very kind of you. The handbags and the glad rags that your granddad's had to sweat so you could buy. Ladies and gentlemen, may I have your attention, Listening to Out of Box 39 with Bill Lawrence, Adrian Cohen, and Ian Taltar here on Colon Radio. I don't know. African plains before they lay them to waste and only the bones remain wouldn't it be poetry to shoot holes in the poachers we see performing an acoustic rearrangement of his own pop song, Men in Helicopters. Now, just take a look at the curriculum vitae this guy has got. In 1977, while playing in a bar in Nashville, Adrian Ballou was discovered by Frank Zappa, for whom he recorded and toured for a couple of years. Then he was poached by David Bowie, for whom he also recorded and toured for a couple of years. He then joined the Talking Heads, who loved his wild and unorthodox guitar soloing. He recorded an album and toured extensively with them. Then he joined the reformed King Crimson at Robert Fripp's request. Meanwhile, he had a solo career releasing more than a dozen crafted albums, often playing all the instruments himself. And he was in some other bands, and he was a sought-after session and guest musician too. What a guy.
Absolutely delighted to welcome our Skunk Exit back into the studio. I thought we'd sack them. Well, unfortunately, there's a bit of a clause in their contract that uh, if we did that, we'd, we'd have to sack ourselves. I do agree with you, that guy on the trombone looks well dodgy still, doesn't he? And look at those shoes. Anyway, uh, Ausgang Exit are playing uh, live in the studio and they're playing Counting Lorries on the dual carriageway to Hemel. Now, I, I asked uh, Ausgang Exit to, to play that one specially because it, it mentions a dual carriageway and, do you know, the roads are full. I've been on... Uh, all weekend I was driving down to Brighton and into Hackney and London, so pretty busy on the road. The roads were actually full of crazy mad drivers. And I was driving there for quite a few hours. I thought, do you know, this is a world of cars. We've got to sort it out, Ian. We need some proper road discipline. We do, and I agree with you, Bill. And as you'll be aware, I do spend a little too much of my life driving from one metal box to another. What do you mean in a metal box? What are you talking well, about? Well, OK, sorry, sorry, metal box. Squash clubs. Uh, They're normally housed in big metal boxes that smell of stale sweat and have no mobile signal. Oh, I thought that was just the classrooms I teach in. Where, where, where are you going with all this then, Ian? Uh, well, I was wanting to discuss the journeys to and from various venues, not the clubs. Oh, well, what about the journeys? The British pastoral landscape, the long and winding roads? Come on, what's on your mind, Mr Talentine? Well, you mentioned it already, Mr Lawrence. Discipline. I thought you said journeys anyway, not the criminal justice system. <laughs> no, road discipline, oh, Bill. Oh, go on. Well, why is it? that you, well, I, can drive at 70 miles an hour in the inside lane of the M25 on a Sunday morning at 8 o'clock with nothing in the lane immediately to my right, but lanes 3 and 4 are moving more slowly than I am. Uh, I think because you you got your right and left mixed up. Well, I, you know, as you know, I do have an issue with that, but on this occasion, um, uh, all right. I'm not. Okay, well, look, I uh, I do admit I have experienced the same problems on the uh, epic journeys I've done to the South Coast visiting uh, Little Izzy in university. I thought there was a law against doing that, though. I believe you may be right, Mr Lawrence, but unfortunately it doesn't seem to have stopped the majority from understanding that all the lanes on an A road or motorway can be used by all cars. I mean, you know, lorry drivers aside, you know, we do understand, ladies and gentlemen of the lorry driving world, that, you know, doing a very useful job, that the rules are slightly different for you. But for everyone else, they can use all the lanes. So, OK, what's the problem then? Uh, well, to be quite honest, Bill, I suspect it's pure laziness. I mean, I always thought you had a steering wheel in the car in order to manoeuvre the car from one lane to the other, as well as keeping it in a lane. Yes, uh, well, nothing to do with the old uh, chestnut of I'm in a car and only lorries use the inside lane. Well, I think there's something of that going on as well. But with so much of the motorway network being filmed, is it not possible to prosecute these morons after the event? Oh, sorry, was that a bit strong for radio? <laughs> um, or am I being overly sensitive, Bill? What do you reckon? No, there's nothing wrong with being sensitive, Ian. Get in touch with your sensitive self. That's why I say, surely it's, you know, just easier to treat all those people who get stressed by it. I suggest my proposal, a free Ministry of Transport, MOT massage, every 3,000 miles. You seem to suggest the uh, massage for the remedy for most ills in the world, Bill. But anyway, Absolutely right. uh, you know, but to be, let's be serious about it, I feel that for a man of my age, I drive quite sensibly, yeah. a little robustly on yeah. occasion. I do, though, use the whole of the road, not in one go, and it does cheese me off that I have to move from lane one to lane four to overtake a car in lane three to abide by the law. I do then move back to lane one if the conditions yeah, allow. And yeah. guess what? The I car know. I've overtaken <laughs> hasn't moved a jot. Yeah, yeah. And so, well, look, um, so the problem I have with this really is that uh, for a man of your age, you know, you probably remember the times when that bloke was walking in front of you with a little red flag, don't you? 
Not quite, Mr. Lawrence. No, no. I think you're dating me. I know the wrinkle cream isn't working these days. Well, but... I'm not sure if it's... Uh, to be quite honest, Ian, I'm not sure if a massage is safe for a man of your age. Actually, you might have to take out a very very small <laughs> life insurance policy first, I think. I think we need to get back to the subject again. The real problem is the fact that it's not just motorways. I appreciate that the speed limit is a limit, not a target. Now, there's a phrase that my driving instructor used to throw at me back in the 80s, not in the days of the red flag. But there are those drivers out there who seem happy to drive at 50 in a 50 and in a 60-mile-an-hour zone and in a 40-mile-an-hour zone, showing little regard to the road conditions or, more importantly pedestrian and other road users safety. Well look, I know you, you. this is something you feel strongly about so what are you going to do about it? Come on, what do you suggest? More police. I think that's the answer. <laughs> An awful lot of what we experience on the road is illegal and unless it's seen and recorded it can't be acted upon. Ultimately, my plea to other road users is to think about me and those road users who want to use the road in the right way and a little less about yourselves. Well, wise words there from Mr. Talentai, and that accidents can be prevented. And you know, Mr. Lawrence, I feel so much better for that. <laughs> Me too. Thank you. Well, you know, roads are very dangerous places. Uh, they are. We've got to be careful. Of course, they're not as dangerous as an empty car park in Asia, of course. Hoo-ya! Dream. That was totally amazing. So look, this is this is it now. This is what I'm doing. I I'm a writer, and uh, I've had, had a bit of trouble really with uh, writer's block, generating ideas. And I, I was thinking, you know, some of the things I dream about. My goodness, just totally uh, uh, deep, uh, amazing with. Like you could just like look at it and think, whoa, what does that, what does that mean, and why, why did that happen after uh, that? So I've tried putting a bit of paper and a pen beside the bed, and uh, and so I'd, I'd wake up and immediately just roll on, on my side and just jot down maybe uh, you know just enough key words, just a, a sentence or two sentences, just to try to keep that dream in, to hold it in before it just evaporates away because you know, that's what happens that's what happens, you have these amazing dreams, then you know like ten minutes later you try to tell somebody what it was and you actually can't remember and this is such a waste, it's like all this imagination and creativity just just evaporates away like that so I tried doing it with the uh, the piece of paper but you know I feel a bit groggy when you wake up and uh, uh, you know it never see, it never seemed to really work uh, and even then just a few words that you'd jot down later in the day would, would sort of not really mean very much so I got myself a, a Tascam DR05 portable recording unit and a nice sure mic which I'm speaking into now and I put that by the bed and so I just went when I wake up after having a fantastic dream like I just did now I just reach for the microphone you know press the uh, the uh, what you call it the little red button yeah like twice and then just start just talking about the dream just fresh and uh, so here I am now talking into the Tascam DR05 and uh, my goodness what was uh, what was that dream about now let me think it was uh, I had to unscrew my feet I remember and it was at the traffic lights that I was caught by the traffic lights but 
Uh, as for all the rest of it, I can't remember. Just can't remember. It's just evaporated. now but they're gonna play without and this is gonna be called lucky shoestring and the brand new conquer oh boys are really rocking tonight aren't they Ian? they are where are we going well what are we doing you know brand new conquer i thought conquer conqueror William the Conqueror, I thought. Well, how about that? You know, that amazing French influence of, that, of the early Normans. 50 years of absolutely powerful social revolution. The entire fabric, the sovereignty, uh, the, the government, the church, even people's personal freedoms, all utterly changed. A revolution and... Of course, you know, most notable to this day was, was the English language, which transformed itself in those 50 years from a language we wouldn't even recognise today to, to one far more familiar to us. You know, that was when they put the French into English. <coughs> That's fascinating, Bill. And, you know, it's food for thought, because I recently had the misfortune, I guess it would be classed as that, to have to conduct a whole heap of staff appraisals. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah, and spent quite some time discussing the difference between often and frequent. Um, right. As these were the two descriptors that changed whether you scored lower or higher. Oh, I see. Yeah, yeah, it's uh, terribly interesting, isn't it? Anyway, I'll move, <laughs> let's move on a pace. The word I kept using to describe the difference was nuance. 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 And it got me thinking as to how many other French words we commonly or sometimes use in English. Oh, yes, go on, give me an example. Well, when I first mentioned this idea to you, which was, oh, I'll have a quick look at the clock, so about 40 minutes ago. Yeah, when we got the bus in. Yeah, we got the bus in and we were travelling to the studio, we were en route. En route. Most certainly French, but reasonably commonly yeah, used. Yeah, it is. So do, you, so, do you think there's some other areas of this wonderful language of ours when you can think of a, a greater sort of sprinkling or abundance of the old French influence? Well, funny you should ask that, because as you will have witnessed since I've sat down, I've been scribbling away on the back of my envelope that you I thought, me with. Oh, I thought you were just doing the football no, no, pools. No, 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 that's my very clever thought envelope. Yeah. Um, and my first answer has to be diplomacy and conflict. So I think we should play a little game. Go on then, I like yeah, this. Yeah, you come out with a French word. In the in that little uh, area of uh, diplomacy okay. and conflict, okay, and I've got one. I've got one. Uh, coup, and I'll As follow it. And I'll follow it with another one. Détente. Right. Oh yeah, coup, uh, En garde. Cachet. Oh, I like that. Um, boom, boom, boom. Debacle. Oh, that's a bit of a scrap, isn't it? Yeah. No yeah. argument. How about oh, I've got another one for that. Melee. I do remember George Melee. He was a jazz player, wasn't no, he? No, 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 not that Melee, Bill. Come uh, on, come okay, on. Okay. Get with the programme. <laughs> Reconnaissance. Sabotage. Well, I like sabotage. That's quite a nice word, isn't it? Saboteur. Well, that's got a harsher feel to it, hasn't it? I'm yeah. going to go all military now. Grenadier, as in grenade or specialist soldier. I like it. I like it. Ampass. Communique. Uh, how about riposte? Oh, I've got another one for a scrap. Contretemps. Contretemps, as in, uh, I was on my motorbike in a car park of a university with no other cars about, and I had a contretemps with a brick wall. Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, it's a pretty impressive list here, not bad for the back of your envelope. And there must be more to the influence of our closest neighbours than just describing fights or, 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 you know, negotiation. And You know, the French are best known for the food and their socialising. Come on, think of some influences there. Tell me, tell me. Go on then, give me another example and I'll try to better it, or at least come up with another. All right. Now, this is one that uh, everyone knows. A la carte. Well, that's, that helps me. Menu. <laughs> yeah, chef. Uh, I'm going to go before that. Aperitif. 
I don't mind an aperitif. Don't mind if I do. A little gin, tonic, lovely. Uh, cuisine. Can I up your cuisine to Nouvelle Cuisine? Well, you can, you can put Nouvelle Cuisine up my cuisine. That's fine. But only if I get the four main courses to get close to a reasonable portion, please. I think we can give you that. Thank you very much. Well, I'm down to the cafe. Uh, well, no one died by eating too much salad. Uh, what are we having for starters? Are we having all our hors d'oeuvres? Yeah, cover them with vinaigrette. Perhaps the soup of the day. And uh, maybe followed by a picnic. Oh, but uh, I do like an omelette. Is a one egg omelette an earth? Oh, well, I think we had that joke last time. <laughs> How about hospitality? How about flambe? Ooh. Um, eclair, one of those creamy chocolatey things. Oh, I prefer a mousse myself. Nice it- chocolate mousse. Of course, uh, yes, you can have a roux, can't you? Which is a very expensive gravy, really, isn't it? Well, no, 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 no. Isn't a roux what they use for thickening it? You obviously don't like your sauces runny. No, that's true. I like to I like to go to a venue, though. And I much prefer a soiree, Mr Lawrence. Après piste. No, no, come on, come on, button down. You mean après ski, and I think that's a very good place to stop. I think it is, because, you know, this is award-winning radio, isn't it? Two old <laughs> men sitting in a studio, just shouting out random words to each other. Actually, it was quite a good game. Uh, not only that, I'd not thought about how often so many different words from France, and I use them all the time without thinking about their origin. Have we got time for another game before the music? No, absolutely not. <laughs> There's only time for me to say 28 in Mandarin. absolutely love the Sundays. This is a song called Hideous Towns from, uh, I don't know what year it's from, but it was from an album called Reading, Writing and Arithmetic. I probably, at a guess, would say it's late 80s, maybe 1989. I'll take a look later before I send this off to Bill and Ian. And it's a strange thing, because what it makes me think of is the fact that I didn't get into the Smiths in the late 80s. I don't know why I was an avid follower of music, but I didn't like the Smiths, although the Sundays clearly a derivative of the Smiths. Now, what was it? I think I used to think that Morrissey was a bit of a and also a bit of a as well, but not everybody saw it the same way, but I think it's certainly been borne out in the last 30 years. Oh, sorry. Pardon me. And uh, <laughs> Anyway, Hideous Towns by the Sundays. <laughs>
So whilst Adrian is made to sit on the naughty step here at Calm Radio Towers, let's listen to Ausgang Exit with the unseen side of Welling Garden City. Less this week. It's not actually a letter. It's a text. Uh, no, they're called emails. Those things on computer. It's an email. It's an email. In uh, we've just received it from Leslie Thick. It does from Stanway. text and email. Stanway in Colchester. Loosely um, defined as text. Well, thank you, Leslie, for sending us what uh, is debatably a text or an email. I think of them as emails. Anyway, Leslie Thick from Stanway in Colchester writes, "Dear Box Thirty Nine, did you know that France?" boasts more roundabouts than any other country. 30,000, in fact, which represents over half of all the roundabouts in the world. Ah, see what Leslie's done there. Do you understand that? We've been talking about France, and he's come up with a France fact. Yes, does that mean we could have another go at the game? <laughs> well, maybe later. So. Maybe come later. On, come on, I like the game. Uh, it's, it's a good call, Leslie, there. Um, and let's, let's listen to this again. See, Ausgang Exit with that track uh, about Welling Garden City. Do you know, I read that last week, that France is officially now 135 miles away uh, from Welling Garden City. Oh, I'm so feeling the love of France today, you know, Ian. I often would say to myself, qui n'avance pas recule. And you can't argue with that, can you? No, Bill. You know, I often think, qui n'avance pas recule? What, who does not move forward recedes? You know, you either grow or you shrink. The other things I associate with French are uh, fashion and art. And I'm going to think of some words to get started, OK? I like this game. Let's have we do it again. Yeah, let's go. Go for it. Go on. Try it. Objet d'art. Ooh, that's good. Very good, Bill. A little close to the title of the topic, but go on. You can have it. Here's my offering. Chic. Oh, chic, yes. Nile Rogers, yes. Genre. Ah, you've given this some thought for the couple of minutes you had to prepare yourself. Well, you've got to do something well, when I'm you I'm going to chuck you one out from the left side then. Go on. Dressage. That is horses, horses isn't it? Prancing yeah, around horses. a square bit of land, isn't it? Yeah. Is that art or is that fashion? I think you'll find those competing think it's art, and that's enough as far as I'm concerned. <laughs> yeah, don't argue with someone that has a horse. Uh, couture. Petite. Um, boutique. Can I have bouquet? I mean, there is creative flair in some flower arrangements, surely. Well, no, you're not really describing that clump of plant life in that manky old pot on your dining table, though, are you? No, I wasn't. That's simply a display, Bill. OK, here we go. Paper mache. Can you say it properly, please? Papier mache. That's better. Now, on the basis that you've said it properly, I think that's brilliant. You win. I have no more to give. If you could just put your hands above your head and dance around like you just don't care. Okay, uh, so come boys, do a little bit of music while I dance. Ah, oh, no, I'm exhausted. I've got to stop. Okay, but you know, Bill, there's so much more to this. I've just thought about business and French words, and that's before we get onto posh. What are you thinking, entrepreneur? Well, there was that and protégé. Though I appreciate this word doesn't just apply to business. Uh, one would describe a company logo as an emblem or a motif. That's my lot, and I've, I've no more to give. Well, here you go. How about this for a sentence? I left an aide memoir on the bureau for the chauffeur. He failed to acknowledge it, and the au pair was late for her liaison in the cul-de-sac. Though the creme de la creme of drivers, his blasé attitude led to the termination of his contract. And there's loads more. Well, it's all very well rattling off a long list of words and playing some games, but why is our, heavily, our language so heavily influenced by another, do you think? Well, my understanding has always been that it's down to the influence of the court, and by that I don't mean the judiciary. Go on. Have we got time for this, or do we have to sort of uh, move on? No, we've got no more time at all. Oh, OK. All, all I can say is, Shinong mi pong yo di huili. Yeah, which of course, as everyone knows, is Mandarin for... It's the fox, the farmer's friend. (laughs) 
choose only five Eric Clapton albums to take to a desert island, the album this version of the iconic Layla is taken from, 1992's Unplugged, is one of them. I'd take two of his albums from the 70s. That'd be 1974's 461 Ocean Boulevard and 1977's Slow Hand. That makes three. Then there is the exquisite collection of blues covers from 1994 called From the Cradle. Finally, I take as my wild card 2006's Road to Escondido, which was a collaboration with J.J. Kale, whose song Cocaine Clapton made famous. If the truth be known, as much as I admire Mr. Clapton, I'd take five J.J. Kale albums ahead of Clapton's. But the desert island, of course, isn't real, so it doesn't need to come to that. listening to Box 39, the Thursday night community magazine programme here on Colm Radio. You've been listening to Bill Lawrence, Adrian Coed and me, Ian Tallentire, and to our very special guest this week, Ron Sargent from Colchester. And thanks also to our house band, Ausgang Exit, and for all those wonderful contributors who have popped up to make the last 60 minutes our wonderful wall of radio sound. Well, 
Well, good show, Ian. Yeah, I liked it, particularly the uh, football chants at the end. It's got warmed the very cockles of my heart. Fantastic. Uh, oh, is it a good show for you, Bill? Well, I found it, do you know, to be quite honest, I found it a bit moody at times. At times, it was almost rasping. <laughs> Good. Bien. Lovely. Charmant. Yes, indeed. Ah, oui, 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 oui. So, from where we are, way down deep in the vaults of Cone Radio Towers, beneath the rich soil and the sturdy lands of North East Essex. It's time for us to close Box 39 once more. Be seeing you. Be seeing you. This has been a Strictly Guppy production for Gone Radio.